0: Welcome back to Never Have I Ever, hosted a podcast. I'm Danny,
1: And I'm Clara. And
0: today we will be discussing and doing a deep dive on the second episode of Netflix's Never Have I Ever, titled Had Sex with Paxton Hall Yoshida, written by Justin Noble and directed by Tristram Shapiro.
1: And before we get too far into things, I think we should let Ben and Davey tell us what this episode is about. You shouldn't wear so much makeup. It'll collect on your mustache. At least I can grow a mustache. My doctor says any day now. So who are you trying to impress? Not that it's any of your business, but I'm kind of seeing someone, and I have a date after school. <laughs> Davy, the only person you're seeing is your therapist because you went straight up psycho and can not walk for three months. Oh, yeah? Well, I won't be able to walk again tomorrow because I'm about to go get railed. Peace out, virgin.
0: So, Clara, what did you think of this episode?
1: I liked it a lot. I don't think it's quite as funny or sharp as the pilot, but I think that makes sense given where we are, because the pilot sets up a lot of plot points and gives us a lot of character development, and now we need to see that develop. So we're getting into Davy's trauma a bit more and the fact that behind all her bluster and bravado, she's still really just like a, a kid at heart. She's very innocent. And that whole opening scene, though, it just cracks me up. Her perfect sex scene is someone telling her she's, like, a Supreme Court justice and then complimenting her on her dandruff shampoo. Lol. What about you? What did you think?
0: I really liked the second episode. I think it's so good for setup, like you said, and um, getting to know the characters a little bit more. Fabiola is established as definitely interested in girls as she sees and makes flirty eye contact for the first time with Eve, It shows that Davy's friends are concerned for her well-being early on, and it seems like they do have the right to be concerned. There's the whole setup with Paxton, and it shows how he's kind of embarrassed of being seen with Davy, and just how she kind of is so brave, and really just, like, she has no fucks to give. And it also shows, I believe, that he does have actual feelings for Davy at the end of the episode. Uh, you also see Ben and Davy go too far. Way too far. Their antagonism <laughs> towards each other. And how Ben is secretly a soft, soft boy. So how can y'all not ship Ben V? I don't know. <laughs> You're
1: obsessed. Obsessed!
0: You don't know the half of it. You don't see my notes anymore. Very true. So Davy seems to have kind of a very wild imagination. She seems to fail a lot in this episode. And then she definitely seems to have grown a bit by the end of the episode. What do you think of where we are in Davy's journey?
1: For later, I want to ask you more about what you mean by fail. But I think if you think of the pilot as the episode that shows us how Debbie got to the point she's at, then this second episode is showing us just how far she has to go to get where she wants to be or needs to be. Between the conversation that she has with her therapist at the beginning, which is hilarious, by the way... The way she panics when Paxton takes off his shirt and she's confronted with the reality of having sex with a boy that she barely knows. And the fact that she can't even tell her best friends that she didn't go through with it. It gets really apparent in this episode that all of that ballsiness we saw from her in the first episode, it's an act. It's a put on. She doesn't want people to pity her. So she works really hard to look cool and together, but she's not.
0: Well, before we get too far, I wanted to point out a silly fun fact. That book that Davy is reading in her ridiculous Paxton fantasy is a novel trilogy based on some Harry Styles slash original character fan fiction smut, kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey was originally Twilight fanfiction. Also, Darren apparently got pretty close to actually getting the lead role in that film adaptation. Oh my god. And his fans campaigned for it pretty hard. I think that's why um, it might be included as the book she's reading just... You know, like a little dig at him, (laughs) but instead, that character ended up being played by the actor who played a very young Voldemort in Half Blood Prince. (laughs) Whoa!
1: So, very important question: Did you Google that, or did you already know it? Because
0: well, I already knew this. Um, I have never read the book, but I always end up on these like long rabbit trails, and I was like, huh wonder what the random actor from Harry Potter is doing. <laughs> and, then <I> fa- <laughs> and then I found out about that book, and I thought it sounded atrocious. So, <laughs> But I, I won't be the judge of people if they're into that. That's their taste. But <laughs> I remembered hearing about that book and the fan sh- fiction that it was based on. Um, as for the part about Darren almost playing that character, it was listed under the trivia on IMDb, and I'm just under when it comes to random pop culture facts that no one cares about.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm glad you explained all that. I'm glad you're not kink-shaming anyone. Um, <laughs> but I also, I did want to, like, circle back to that, because you, you said that Devi fails a lot in this episode, and I kind of wanted to ask what you meant by that.
0: I feel like she just keeps getting, like, rejected and, and kind of failing um, in general, whether it be around Paxton and, mm-hmm. like, not being able to to go through with having sex. I mean, it happens twice in the same episode. Um, So I wouldn't say it like a full on fail, but like, I guess not living up to her expectations.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can see that.
0: So moving on, I'm really happy that therapy is established as a regular thing for Davey. I think Dr. Ryan is really insightful. She tries really hard to not let Davey get away with her bullshit. And she's really funny doing it.
1: Yeah, so I like her a lot, too. And part of it is, like, my therapist is like that. Not the, like, she's not funny like Dr. Ryan is funny, but she calls me out on my bullshit. And that's really important because I've had therapists who very much would, like, let me lead and they wouldn't really confront me about anything. And that just doesn't work Mm. for me because, like, as a person in general, I will do just about anything to avoid talking about or dealing with my feelings if you let me. And that's totally Davy, at least in this context as well, right? Like, she's terrified to actually process her dad's death or talk about it. Because I think, I don't know, I think she feels like if it does, then that's when it's going to be real that he's gone.
0: Yeah, I get that. And grief is so hard to process. And you really see her shutting down anyone who tries to have a real conversation Mm -hmm. with her most of the time, except Ben. She seems to let him... In a lot more than others.
1: That's because she loves him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to get into Davy's other friendships with Eleanor and Fabiola. Davy has a wildly active imagination, as we've established. She lies to her friends about Paxton and what was said during their let's have sex conversation. They think she's actually unhinged, which makes me feel like it's not the first time that they've been down this road. They seem genuinely surprised when they see Davy leave in Paxton's car. So what do you think about that?
1: Well, you say they think she's unhinged. I think that they see and love Davy for who she is, which is a smart but kind of delusional teenage girl who's pretty prone to exaggeration. And Eleanor is super dramatic, so of course she is totally fine with a friend who's kind of like dramatic and in her own world Mm -hmm. and head in the clouds. And Fabiola is lying to herself about a few things, more on that as we get more into her sexuality later in the season. So it's not a surprise that she would be sympathetic too. Also, I mean, I think they presumably know that, like, Davy has been obsessed with Paxton for a while they know that seeing him is part of what made her walk again, so they probably just figure she's like projecting mm-hmm. that fantasy into reality. And kind of like there was that line at some point in the episode where they're like, We'll tell you the harsh truth, um, even if it makes you, even if you end up in a wheelchair again. Right? I think on some level, they figure her fantasies are harmless because reality to a certain extent is dangerous for her so i don't know if that's just like i don't think that's true but i think they don't really know how to deal with the way that she's like navigating all of the real shit in her life and they don't really know what they should be doing or when they should intervene when she's like in this fantasy world so i mean i think when they find out that she's not delusional in this particular time or at least not fully delusional and they see her get into the car with him, they are understandably kind of shocked.
0: This is also the first time that we see Eve,
1: Mm -hmm. Fabiola's
0: crush, and her queerness is confirmed. I thought it was really cute. They were obviously, like, instantly vibing with each other, and I just, like, love how it's that trope of, like, the girl walking down the stairs, and Fabiola is just kind of, like, staring at her all dumb-faced. And then with Eleanor, she went out of her way to try and apologize big time for Davey. And I feel like Davey won't even actually give her the time of day. And I I think it kind of upset me a little bit. Eleanor made an apology video and she won't even watch it. She just like launches into talking about herself. And I feel like it's our first real glance at how bad of a friend that Davey can be. Um, What do you think about those two things?
1: Okay, so a couple things. One, I really like that like Fabiola's first girl is named Eve, like the first girl. <laughs> I thought that was, that's gotta be intentional. Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I also like, this is what I meant when I was like saying before that Fabiola is lying to herself. She's not ready except she's queer, which is totally relatable. I had really accepting, mm-hmm. I have really accepting parents, but even so it took me a while to accept that I was bi. And I think even just mm-hmm. to understand what it meant for me or about, me as for Eleanor and like the way that Davey treats her as a friend I mean it's a bit of a dick move for Davey not to watch that video but honestly I'm not sure I would want to either (laughs) like (laughs) it's it's probably long and dramatic and just to be totally real Eleanor probably makes apology videos for everything like she was five minutes late (laughs) to meet you she makes you an apology video I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But come on. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) This is true, though. She probably does. And yes, accepting being queer is different for everyone, obviously. It was a really long journey uh, for me to really figure out exactly how queer I was, if that makes (laughs) sense. Um, I went from kind of knowing I had crushes on my friends and these female celebrity crushes to kind of thinking, oh, if you're in a relationship with a guy, you're straight now, Mm -hmm. Um, to realizing that that's not the case either. And I also wasn't sure for a long time if I was just bisexual and not biromantic, um, which obviously, as you know, I am 100% <laughs> both. Um, I never really came out, though. People just kind of, like, knew, um, yeah. except my mom, apparently, because she was very shocked, in which I responded with to her with, like, have you seen all of the pictures of both men and women on my walls? <laughs> um both my older brothers and myself actually all identify as queer in some way and my parents are accepting but they don't get it
1: yeah it it, it's funny because I think my my parents were like super accepting and like they had queer friends who were out who were like around me when I was a kid but for some reason I think I like got it in my head that that meant I didn't have to tell them that they would just Figured out. I think I thought that they wouldn't assume I was straight. And so the way that I came out to my parents, each separately, because they didn't live together when I was in when I was like figuring all this stuff out. My uh, mom told me that I couldn't go to a sleepover party where there were guys. And I was like, Mom, you know, I have you know that I sleep with girls, too. And that was how I came out to her, apparently. <laughs> and then I, I can't remember exactly what it was with my dad, but I like said it casually in conversation on the phone. He goes, oh, I didn't know you like girls. And I was like, well, who did you think Jennifer was? Do you think that we were just friends?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I can see why my parents were a little bit surprised in that. Like, I didn't have a girlfriend for a really, really long time. Um, My dad didn't find out until I had a girlfriend, but that's more of the fact that I just don't really talk to him all that much. With my mom, I was a bit surprised that she didn't figure it out. Um, But at the same time, like, she was always that kind of person who would be like, you know, like, I don't mind if you're gay, but, like, like, I would just, like, it would be really hard for me to have a child that is, like, she would say stuff like that. So I think for me it was, like, really hard to have that conversation with her
1: yeah yeah understandably
0: (laughs) but like I didn't like not tell her either it was just kind of never established and I never actually told her told her she found out because I was on Facebook and like sharing a post about other bisexual people and like I was like well I'm proud to be amongst them and she's like what
1: (laughs) the fuck that happened to a friend of mine like two years ago on national coming out day I think she had participated in some manner before but she she did it on facebook thinking that her parents already knew and then she had many awkward conversations with family over the next week, few weeks anyway <laughs> moving on <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes moving on there are so many moments throughout the show that i like almost die of secondhand embarrassment on Davy's behalf she just keeps on doing it like when she walks up to paxton's group with zero fucks to give and just like talks to him He's so clearly (laughs) embarrassed and, like, she even dares approach him with his friends, which I was just like, that blows my mind. They don't seem to care too much about her presence until she backs away and awkwardly says, later, skater.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure most of them don't even know her name. Like, her ability to just do stuff like that, though, really, like, amazes me. I know I couldn't do that. Like, we discussed in the last episode, her just approaching Paxton about sleeping with her. Like, I was actually into a popular guy when I was in middle school, so when she's kind of, like, shunned in front of his group of friends, it immediately made me dislike Paxton for Mm. that, just for that. In middle school, though, the guy I liked, um, everyone liked him. He was just, like, that guy. And I was really delusional when it came to this guy in, like, every in every aspect. So I definitely relate to Davey in that way. He was on the basketball team, and he was a jock. I even tried to change myself to get his attention. Aww. And that's something, like, I really hope Davey doesn't do. Um, but I was so pathetic when it came to this guy. And he knew it. Like, he absolutely knew it. And the funny thing is, though, is that later on in high school, he totally tried to hit me up to get lunch with him, and I was just like, Fuck no. Um, but that actually happened a decent amount because I was no longer a quote-unquote goth kid. Um, so did you ever pine after a popular kid? And did you ever do anything quite as embarrassing as Davy?
1: Well, so first I have to address the later skater line because that also kind of reminded me of Mean Girls, like when Katie says gruel when she's talking to Aaron Samuels. <laughs> um, but to answer your question more directly, I, I had a crush on a girl who was kind of popular in 11th grade, but it was both pretty minor crush, and she was one of those girls who was popular because she was nice. So I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't. I think it was like a non-issue. Also, I had a boyfriend at the time, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, other than that, almost all of my crushes were like nerdy... Nerdy people. I asked out almost everyone I dated in high school. I mostly dated guys in high school. I did kind of do what you were talking about. Like I sort of latched on to the interests of, the, of like every guy I ever dated, not the girls, which I think says something interesting about patriarchy. But that is a topic for another day. And I did write some pretty embarrassing like love notes to people I was interested in. So this is less of a story of an embarrassing thing I did And more a story of something really embarrassing That happened to me I feel like we're going to unpack a lot of high school trauma In this podcast, by the way Um but I, I dated this one guy for, for actually four days because after four days he told me he loved me and no. And like, we're friends now. And we were friends from both of high school. Like I eventually set him up with another friend of mine and they dated for like three years, but immediately after he was really bitter, which I mean, I kind of get like, no one wants the response to I love you to be, we have to break up. And I told a bunch of his friends and one of them who i didn't know, I mean, I sort of knew of, but I didn't know well, wrote this parody screenplay about it, which he called the Clara Bitch Project and, like, spread all over school. So, of course, like, I ended up finding it, and I was really pissed. But I think, like, to their credit, I confronted them both, and they immediately apologized and were like, "Uh, we were being so stupid, didn't even think about, like, how hurtful it would actually be, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But it was still pretty embarrassing. That is,
0: that is pretty deplorable. And I'm glad that they apologized to you.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna send this to one of them.
0: <laughs> the shortest amount of time that I dated someone was one single lunch period. We decided, oh nah, friends is better than almost,
1: <laughs> like almost immediately. Ah, oh, young love. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think the worst, though, is I was dating this one guy for a few weeks, and he straight up broke up with me on AOL Instant Messenger.
1: Oh, no!
0: What a douche! (laughs) Like, I think personally that I would rather be ghosted, which is, you know, more popular these days. And I also had a habit of writing embarrassing letters about people I loved. Mm. That's kind of like how I would let people go it kind of reminded me of that
1: yes like, i love you yeah the two all
0: the boys i loved before or whatever oh yeah sorry that's yeah. The, that's the one that's the second one <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah high school is super embarrassing basically all the time
0: yes <laughs> so i'm going to lump the rest of the Davy and paxton storyline into one so that we can move on um First of all, I want to say that I absolutely love how sex positive and open and honest about teen sex that the show is. It yes. isn't really it isn't really like encouraging it or discouraging it. When Davey was like, "I think about sex 24/7 and but I don't know how to do it." That just really reminded me when I was her age and that's true. I don't think I knew a single person who wasn't obsessed with talking about sex but they weren't actually doing it. And mm. I mean, I was telling dirty jokes since I was in like fifth grade, but What were your looked... fifth
1: grade dirty jokes?
0: I mean, I can't remember, but I know that I was telling them. <laughs> I was obsessed with the movie American Pie when I was like eight years old. Like Oh what my the god. Fuck? And <laughs> I probably didn't actually understand half of what was going on. Um but it was one of those things like back then to be like, Oh, like, you know, like I saw the South Park movie. Oh my god, it's super <laughs> R rated. it's not like that these days yeah it like took me quite a while to actually like get to the point you know where you know sex was a thing but i just like that it's very real and honest um the way that the show approaches sex
1: took you a while to be ready to bone yeah (laughs) yeah i mean I, i i appreciate it too i think that it's i think it's really important to acknowledge that teenagers have sex and think about sex and that like i mean it's sort of an important part of like being a teenager is coming to terms with that but it's also i don't know we get all these super puritanical messages about like what sex is and how it's going to destroy your life and everyone's going to get pregnant and get diseases and it's going to be horrible. You will get chlamydia and die. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The koalas are doing just fine with their chlamydia. Uh, But, you know, I think it is really important that there are shows that show teens that sex is normal and that you can do it in ways that won't cause you to get diseases or pregnant and die, and like, just treat it as a thing. But I really love the scene where, that you were talking about, where they're like, where she's like, I think about sex 24-7, but I don't know how to do it, and then they end up doing kegels in her room with a Wikipedia article open. Yeah. That was, that was just like, comedic gold. Yes,
0: and then Eleanor's face is literally just like, open wide and she's not even trying. (laughs) She's like, no.
1: Perfect. (laughs)
0: in this episode, though, Davy tries to have sex with Paxton twice, and both times she fails. The first time he immediately takes off his shirt and has her touch his chest, which I just thought was ridiculous, but (laughs) she just short circus immediately and just like kind of like pats his shoulders and then she just dips and then she hurts herself in the process she's a grade A klutz (laughs) the second time she gets a shot at sex with him she's of course nervous and hilarity ensues again as she boops his nose and then says I wouldn't want to pee while we're you know doing it which I was just (laughs) dead for one Um, but then she sprays her vagine with perfume Girl, no! No. (laughs) This brings us, though, to meeting Paxton's sister, Rebecca, who has Down syndrome. She's very sweet, funny, and fashionable. And Davy and her get along immediately. Paxton finds them talking and kicks Davy out. There seems to be a lot to unpack with Paxton here, and he seems embarrassed almost, but immediately accuses Davy of thinking he's ashamed of her. What do you think of this moment and of Paxton's relationship to his family?
1: Yeah. So I think Paxton's really protective of his sister, but I also think he is really image conscious. So part of this is because nothing that Debbie says could reasonably be interpreted by anyone to mean she thinks he's embarrassed of his sister. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think he's got to have some shame over the fact that like he let his friends make fun of her and let them be dicks to her. And that he probably did that because he was afraid of losing his popularity and status. And like, in some teeny tiny place in his heart, he knew that that's what would happen if he didn't, or he thought that's what would happen if he didn't. Mm -hmm. And that's the teeny shred of embarrassment that he has, Mm -hmm. or guilt or shame, or like some weird cocktail of gross emotions. Um, (laughs) But I also think that while Davy was pretending to herself that sex with Paxton wouldn't mean anything to her, for Paxton, that was actually true. Like, it was just sex for him Mm -hmm. until the moment when she comes into contact with his sister and then when that happens and she sees a part of him that is real that is pretty intimate like something that he holds close to his heart and has a lot of complicated feelings about that's when he immediately shut it down
0: he definitely pushed her away paxton definitely has a lot to figure out about himself before he can successfully have anything with davy or anyone that is real and I mean, she does, too. So after this encounter, she tries again to talk to Paxton at school and he flat out ignores her and laughs with his friends. It's pretty Dick. fucking mean. I see people saying Ben is mean to Davy, but like Paxton at times can be downright cruel. Why do you think that is? And his friends are laughing, too. So do you think he told them anything?
1: Well, this is this is the image conscious thing again. And this is why I don't think that Paxton and Davy can ever be right to each other. He is too defensive. And when he wants to hurt her, he does it without a second thought. And he goes for the jugular. A he's also. <laughs> Wait, what was that?
0: Oh, Taurus.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's also like way afraid of intimacy. And Davy craves that she really needs it after her dad's death, even though she won't admit it and like tries to avoid it in weird ways as for whether he said anything to his friends they definitely share a knowing look but I don't know what he would have said I don't think he would have told them the truth I don't think he would have gone into all the shit that happened with his sister so maybe what he said was something like oh she threw herself at him or he told them about the first time when she came over to have sex with him and bailed I don't think he told them anything real either yeah
0: I think uh. if anything it is definitely just kind of like oh yeah she's obsessed with me kind of thing
1: yeah yeah (laughs)
0: Um, why do you think Davy lied to her friends? I thought it was a little bit too blunt of Eleanor to just say everyone felt sorry for her. Like, I was surprised that she said it that way to Davy.
1: I'm not super surprised that she said it. I think that, like, Eleanor is very emotional and sensitive in certain ways, but she's not always aware of how other people who are not so emotional all the time are gonna, like, handle things. But I think what Eleanor said is, is really it, right? And John McEnroe even says it in the narration. Davy doesn't want pity. She wants people to think she's cool and that she has her shit together. So when Eleanor really just puts that choice in front of her, like, you can have everybody in the school continue to pity you or have everyone be jealous of you and think you have the perfect life, of course she chooses the latter. She is not an emotionally mature human being.
0: (laughs) True. So the final part in this episode with Paxton is him actually apologizing to her, which I was actually kind of surprised he did that. I wonder if he talked to his sister about it, if seeing her outburst towards Ben and how deeply hurt she actually is prompted his apology. I feel like the moment at the end, though, is really genuine, and him looking back at her, you can see that he is starting to develop actual feelings for Davy. I was almost convinced in these early episodes that Daxton could be good endgame, also out of solidarity of convincing the popular kid to give you (laughs) a time of day. (laughs) Um... But I cannot stop laughing at her mom creeping in the back the whole conversation.
1: <laughs> Nalini is amazing. What does she say at some point? She says something. I, I don't remember what it was. It just reminded me. I had a boyfriend in high school, and his family is super religious. And I think I was, like, dropping him off, and we were just kissing goodbye. And his mom was, like, looking through the window, and she shouted, No smooching on the sidewalk! <laughs> I can't remember like
0: what it is. She says something through the window, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, for me, I don't think that this made me think that they could be good together, because the fact that he'd do it to her in the first place makes him really bad for her in my mind. Just the level of cruelty and the way that, like I said, like, when he wants to hurt her, he goes for the jugular. He doesn't hold back anything. I think they both have a lot of growing to do as individuals, and they both need a lot of support. And I could see how like, I don't know, 10 years from now they could maybe be good for each other if they like went and did their growing and came back. The thing is, like when you're going through something as big as your dad dying or as big as like trying to figure out how to be a fucking decent human being um, about your sister's like neuro atypicality you got a lot of shit to deal with and you're not necessarily going to have the space to help other people through their big things. Yeah. So classic case, and I won't get into the details, but like how Davy handles Fabiola and Eleanor's big issues later in the season. She does a terrible job and I think that's basically because her mind is so preoccupied with her big thing.
0: I definitely agree with you. Like, I don't think that they would work. It would take a long, long time. In the first couple episodes, I think I was like, willing to give them the time of the day but like as it goes along Mm. I was just kind of like I think that they would make really good friends though
1: yeah I think I think so I think if they can get over a tiny bit of their shit and get over whatever their like romantic feelings are toward each other that they could really be there for each other in ways that would matter and be helpful
0: there are a few things I want to touch on before we move on to Ben of course so there's uh, they're exposing some layers in uh, Davy's family, and they're starting to get pulled back. Kamala is revealed to have a boyfriend, a cute, dopey guy named Steve. I think they're really cute together. They're both these like incredibly smart but just dopey characters, which is fun. And then Nalini is revealed to be unable to have children anymore, other than Davy, which I feel like really lends to how she acts sometimes with Davy and with Kamala as well. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I wasn't sure if Melanie was actually unable to have more children or if she just miscarried at some point after she had Davy. Miscarriages are actually really common. I, I looked it up and it's something like 10 to 15 percent of all pregnancies end in miscarriages, which is like way higher than I thought. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty traumatic, right? Like you, you think that you're having a baby, you get attached to the idea of being a parent, of having a child, and then it doesn't work yeah. out. But they're still pretty rarely depicted in TV and film, at least in any kind of meaningful way. And even here, we only really got this glancing look. One big thing, I think, is that Nalini is really struggling to deal with Mohan's death, too. And she's being really introverted as she grieves him, kind of the way that, like, Davy doesn't want to talk about it with her therapist. I think Nalini is afraid to really get into it with Davy because it'll make it too real for her. So I think they just struggle alone and, like, bitch at each other. I think I
0: would really love to see maybe a less positive memory of Mohan in the future. He seems like the perfect husband and the perfect dad, and, like, that's just so rarely the case.
1: Yeah, I think it's a serious case of rose-colored glasses, and I agree with you. Like, I really want to see him come down off that pedestal a little bit. I actually think we're, we're gonna get there, because, like, when we start to see more of what happened the night he died later in the series... I wouldn't say that it's painting him in a negative life, but I do think that you can interpret some of the way that he acts with Davy in general and the things that make her idolize him so much. If you look at that from Nalini's perspective, I think you can interpret that as making Nalini be the bad guy, which is a very real and often really gendered thing. Like dads get to be the fun parent and moms have to be the ones who lay down the law and stuff. So I feel like very slowly... The show starts to set the stage for Mohan as, like, a full human and not just a, you know, perfect ghost.
0: Perfect ghost, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Benjamin (laughs) Groves. Always.
1: Always.
0: (laughs) The Davy and Ben banter is amazing. I'm curious how much of it was ad-libbed because the actors said that they had a lot of freedom in their characters and they actually ad-libbed a lot.
1: Your mom's chest hair!
0: sorry. (laughs) The tension there between them is sort of obvious. Ben definitely has a crush on her that he hasn't admitted to himself. It's just Mm -hmm. priceless. So I'll get into some of that banter when we get to the favorite line segment of our podcast, but just like in his tone and his reactions to things she says just makes his feelings just really apparent. And I find it crazy that there are people who unwilling to ship them like that kind of banter is the rom-com dream Um, (laughs) but let's get into their not so positive interaction when Davey says out loud in front of everyone I wish Nazis had killed Ben I was fucking pissed at her
1: as you should be.
0: The way his face just genuinely falls afterwards, like just so hurt. They do make up, but before we talk about that, I want to have a conversation with you about this and the fact that you're Jewish. Tell me about your feelings in this scene, Clara. Uh
1: well obviously I think it's a dick move. I also think that we've already seen that like Davy goes too far, so it, it's not super a surprise. Like it's I think it's just sort of part of her personality and her lashing out about a lot of things. She boils over. She doesn't realize even how awful (laughs) the things she says are sometimes until they're too late. And we have a big example of that later in the series between her and Nalini. So I think this was like another example of that. You were asking me about Principal Grubbs in the scene where she confronts them the other day too and how she really trips over the word Jew. Do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Like what I was saying to you is, it seems like the word "Jew" is it, it's a it's a slur in the same way it, like "queer" is, and the principal won't even say the word.
1: So first, I should say I'm not an expert, and obviously, I cannot speak on behalf of all Jews. I think probably the best analogy, in a lot of ways, is that the word "Jew" is like the word "black" to a lot of middle class white people Mm -hmm. they I think especially if you grew up in like I mean in my generation even but like a little bit older my parents generation black was almost seen as like a dirty word because I think people didn't understand that the problem wasn't with blackness it was with whiteness and so we all got taught in school to say African-American even though like a lot of black people are not African-American so I think Jew is kind of like that in World War II of course the Germans put the word Jew everywhere as a way of identifying Jews and of being derogatory toward them, of insulting them. And so coming out of that, I, I think even there were Jews who felt like the word Jew was something to avoid, but I think it has, it's that same way, right? Like it's not because it's actually a slur. I mean, it literally just means the literal term for someone who is Jewish, who is like of Hebrew ancestry and faith or whatever. But the way that it got used to say like, this is, Jews are bad is, is how it sort of gained that sort of offensive flavor. I honestly, like, I don't know that I personally know any other people who are Jewish who have a problem calling themselves Jews or with other people calling them Jews currently. Yeah. It might be different in my parents' generation, like my aunts and uncles. I I don't really feel like it is, but I could check at some point. But one thing I will say is that if Jew is used as a verb, it is absolutely offensive and a slur. And my grandfather on the non-Jewish side used to play Jew as a scrabble word because until fairly recently it was there in the scrabble dictionary as a fucking verb (laughs) and that is horrible and I'm glad it's not anymore so that's what I know yeah shrug I
0: I mean I think like Ben's reaction to that is kind of like I feel like he's like you can say the word (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it does kind of remind me of the queer debate you know some people are really really comfortable saying queer and identifying as queer and there's so many other people are like it's a slur don't say it So I think it reminds me of that a lot, but we shouldn't get into that. That's a that's a whole nother can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) These kids make up way quicker than you would think when Davy starts crying and gets really dark for a second. I feel like you can like see Ben's soul die a little bit. Like, he cannot stand seeing her genuinely hurt, and it, this isn't the only time that that happens. It's a trend for Ben um, to literally be kind in a moment that she doesn't necessarily deserve it because she's sad. That is love. That is real love, <laughs> which is a big reason I'm Team Ben We'll get into those moments more as the series progresses, but this one is pretty major, and they have a heart-to-heart afterwards, and, like, I think in this scene, Ben is starting to realize that he might have feelings for Davy. He, like, smiles into his locker as she walks away, and I feel like you can tell that he's really aching to be with someone that he actually matters to, because clearly Mm -hmm. his relationship with Shira is, is not ideal, Ultimately, though, sometimes I'm not sure if she deserves Ben. I've been talking about their potential relationship a lot, but what do you think about Ben and Davy and their interactions in this episode?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everything that you said is pretty spot on. Her reaction is definitely a little like white girl tears, even though she's not white. Aside from the one interaction, though... I like that we get to see more of their banter. And when Ben answers for her about the Romani, it's the first glimpse that we really get of their academic competitiveness in action. We heard about it in the pilot, and we saw the like little montage of them at various ages with various trophies. But this is the first time that we really see what it looks like day to day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have a long way to go, I think, before they can be friends, much less lovers. But I do think that their teasing interactions near the locker set up the path for them in a nice way. And Ray Ben, and Shira, I found it so telling that he, like, tries to give her relationship advice. I feel like anytime someone starts humble bragging about their relationship or whatever, is that even what it was? I don't know. It's like a weird way that he's bragging about his relationship with Shira. You just know immediately that relationship is doomed. But yeah, TLDR, banter yeah, good, Hitler obviously. bad. So are there any last
0: thoughts about anything before we move on to fashion?
1: No, I think that's most of it. I think uh, banter good, Hitler bad is a good note to end on.
0: (laughs) I thought I didn't have too many fashion notes, but apparently I do.
1: I called you out. So I actually really
0: like like Fabiola's outfit in the beginning of the episode. The
1: overalls over the, like, Yeah. yeah.
0: She really rocks those overalls. Davy's outfit at the beginning of school is mostly cute. I'm not a fan of the shorts, per se, but it's a very busy outfit, and it's not as bad when she takes the cardigan off, but... I really like the top half of it, and I also really like the star sweater that she wears in the scene that our clip is from. Yes. And Ben's outfit here is actually not too bad. I like his top.
1: Well, it's basically just like a regular hoodie, right?
0: No, it's a shirt. Oh. It's like a it's like a button up shirt.
1: Oh, okay, I was thinking of a different outfit then.
0: <laughs> they weren't a lot of outfits in this show. <laughs> I mean, as teens do. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Rebecca is very fashion-forward, and I really like her as a character and her budding friendship with Davy. She she dresses obviously like a fashion icon, and so many of the kids like I noticed that they wear shirts that like rep their school, and I found that very odd. Like I don't think I knew anyone that wore Pioneer High School shirts when I was in high school.
1: Maybe they were going to PE.
0: Maybe. <laughs> Plaid seems to be, like, all the rage at this school. It's
1: more like returning to the 90s, right? We were talking about this last time. Like, the Plaid obsession is very 90s.
0: I've been saying within my, like, group chats about this show that like, they need to have, like, a 90s-themed party or, like, Halloween-type <laughs> thing or a dance. Prom. Because, like, I would love to see them dress as 90s characters. You know Trent would make, like, a he perfect... already is
1: a 90s character. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, obviously, but he would make a perfect like uh, Wayne from yes. Wayne's World or like Dave Grohl when he was in Nirvana. I was thinking about this.
1: You'll have posted this picture by then, but when you sent me the the picture of your Trent cosplay, that is exactly what I was thinking about. I should actually. I have a picture from um, a '90s party, like two years ago, of me dressed like Garth from Wayne's World. I should send it to you, and you can post them together.
0: I don't have one. me dressed as wayne but i have dressed as (laughs) wayne so i mean obviously davy and ben wear a lot of plaid in some form or another towards the end of the episode they both need to have the fashion police called (laughs) on them davy is wearing like these plaid pants um but she has has, like a maroon shirt like tucked Mm -hmm. in and the shirt's like really nice like i think the top's nice but she also has a jean jacket on top and i just think it's just like too much at once and then just ben my sweet summer child it's not too bad at first glance it's a nice jacket uh there's a bit of red on it which brings out his eyes but he has a gray shirt tucked into khakis that also have a red stripe down the side why why does he do this like it's like there's Like, everything's fine until you see some element of it that just, like, completely ruins it. (laughs) And he's also wearing a Rastafarian-looking belt to top it off. Like, he's lucky that I love him because he's (laughs) he's gonna get... He's gotta be roasted because his fashion is just so bad. And... Then uh, my last note would be Kamala when she's uh, talking to her prospective husband's parents. I can't tell if it's her prospective husband or her parents. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but she looks so beautiful. I think it's the
1: prospective husband, but yeah. She
0: looks so beautiful. And I always love Kamala's hair. Like, it's so perfect, which isn't necessarily fashion, but kind of is. And I love Davy's hair, too. Like, they just have really nice hair, and I'm jealous of it.
1: Okay, so you took a lot of fashion options off the plate for me, but I really liked... Which
0: is usually the other way around. I know.
1: This is what happens when you host a podcast. You pay more attention to fashion. It's just how it is. (laughs) I really liked Davy's plaid pants, which I think you already mentioned, and Eleanor's outfit in the beginning, the pink maxi skirt with the blue pattern top and the scarf as headband. A lot of the time, I think, like, Eleanor's outfits are too much for me, but this felt just perfect. Creative... A little bit showy, but still mostly elegant. I wouldn't say understated, but stated.
0: <laughs> Just stated. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's get into one-liners. There's a lot here, so we're gonna switch off on them back and forth. <laughs>
1: Alright, so you marked this down, but I 100% agree. The entire opening dream sequence with Paxson is hilarious, and then the, and is that dandruff shampoo? Just delivered perfectly. Darren Barnett, total kudos for that delivery. Yeah.
0: There's also like a point where she tells her friends about what happened, like how he asked her to have sex with him. And and just Darren's delivery is perfect there as well. So the next one would be if you were ready to bone, you wouldn't use the phrase ready to bone. That's right,
1: Dr. Ryan. (laughs) And then you mark this one down. Is this kid on HGH?
0: Hmm. Is he? Is he? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't think he is, but it made me laugh. (laughs) There are people in Siberia who would kill to be this hot. (laughs) Uh. The amount of people of color families that I know refuse to use AC, like, this is a really more, like, of a comical stereotype kind of thing. But some of them are just too true. Like, in Fresh Off the Boat, there's an episode about how the kids find out that there's a dishwasher and went their whole lives thinking that it was a drying rack. My family also told me that, though. My grandma uses it, though, now. But it's just so funny. Like, those little things. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think my my grandparents, who were second-generation immigrants, I think they had a lot of those stories, too. <laughs> like, just for the sake of frugality. But I think a lot of it is just about, like, financial insecurity, right? Like, not being 100% sure of your place in this new place that you've moved to. And wanting to make sure that your family is going to be safe (laughs) that can like go to extremes, right? Like we don't use AC because it saves us money and we don't really need it. And if we save money, then we're safe, whatever happens. Yeah. Um, So we already talked about this a lot, but the other one is obviously when Davey says later skater.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's faces are just, they're so confused. It's pretty epic. The next line is, you should have thought about your bagel bites before you called me a bitch.
1: <laughs> that was, I think, my favorite line in the entire episode. It's so good and so like such a mother-daughter thing.
0: <laughs> it, it was. It was just so great. A like I was just like I just love the way though. Just like she accentuates
1: bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's like one of those tubes of Pillsbury cookie dough. Yum yum. <laughs> oh, Fabiola, you're such a nerd.
0: I just like took it as one of those like I'm gonna. She's gonna say something really weird because she's just super gay and she just like <laughs> doesn't know what to say. Uh, that's totally what I took. It I as. think she's um,
1: gonna say something super weird because she gets along with robots better than people. But
0: <laughs> that is true. But like her follow up um, about the. Like when they're talking about sex and she's like, To the foot
1: Like oh, she yeah. kinda like looks off oh, to the that side. Was so good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the next one is I won't be able to walk again tomorrow because I'm about to get railed. Peace out, Virgin. <laughs> uh, which was in our clip. Yes. Um But Ben's facial expression is just everything. And it, but it also totally gives his feelings away for her. Just like He's so affected by it.
1: Yeah. Um, And this is the last one that you put on there, but obviously it's great. So sorry about your polio. (laughs) I just, Nalini must have been so confused.
0: She was so confused, but at the same time, I was just like shaking my head because I was just like, no, (laughs) (laughs) back.
1: Uh, well, okay, so those were the yeah. one-liners that you, pu- you pulled out, and obviously I think they're great. Um, but there were a few others I wanted to add. So one is Davy's line that's honestly a little too noticeable because of some bad ADR, but the line itself is gold. I got fired from retail. They said my hands were too sweaty to fold clothes. I totally relate to that. <laughs> uh, and it's small, but I also really liked when Fabiola says, Oh, my double God, because it sounds like something that I would say. And, of course... I wish I was a dead body on the 101. Davy, get your shit together.
0: I was like, simultaneously, just like, couldn't stop laughing, but also just like, felt so bad for her.
1: Like, <laughs> Mood. Team
0: angst. All right, so it's time for MVPs. I'll start this time around. This one was really hard. I could probably give it to tree like, every episode, but I think uh, my MVP for this episode actually goes to Lee Rodriguez, mm. who plays Fabiola, because just like Jaren and Maitri last episode, she has these really awesome facial expressions that kind of like goes with everything she says. And I just can't get over it. And just the delivery of some of her lines, like the yum, yum, <laughs> like there's that. Um, but I think if, if I had to have a runner up, it would probably be Darren Barnett for similar reasons. And I truly wonder like how many times he had to film some of the lines in the dream sequence, because I would break.
1: I think I'm going to give mine to Darren for actually slightly different reasons. I really thought how he turned, like the way that he turned and we got to see a very different side of him and a very different sort of acting challenge for Darren Mm -hmm. when he, like after he encountered his sister and Davey by the bathroom. Um, I thought that was like a really good, it showed a lot of his range that we didn't get to see in the first episode as much. I also really like the way that he plays uh, the way that he plays Paxton in the like fake let's have sex conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Um, so I'm going to give it to Darren for this one.
0: Whip smart. <laughs> So, Clara, ratings time. What worked for you and what didn't work?
1: I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot that we were doing that for this episode. So I didn't put anything, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. But off the top of my head, I would say I do think that this episode wasn't quite as, like, acerbically funny as the first one. The scenes that I liked tended to be a little bit more understated, too. Like, I really like... That, the scene where they're trying to do Kegels off a Wikipedia article—I thought that was hilarious. Um, I really like the fake "Let's Have Sex" conversation. I love the be- the beginning conversation. I mean, both like the dream sequence and then the conversation that Davy has with Doctor Ryan. I felt like some of the interactions between Davy and her friends didn't quite get to me as much as they did in the first episode, and as much as they do in later episodes. But I think it was a really strong episode nonetheless. I mean, this show is so great, right? What's she gonna do anyway? What about you?
0: So for me, it was similar to how I felt about the pilot. We're still in like this setup phase of the season, and I feel like it's still being done really well. There, nothing ever feels out of place or like too soon or too much. Um, the Ben and Davey banter in this episode is chef's kiss. (laughs) I have a hard time knowing there are people out there that don't ship them. I'm going to probably bring
1: this up. You will. I know Um, you, you will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love seeing, uh, Fabiola, like kind of come out of her shell a little and seeing the beginnings of her coming out story as someone who realized they were queer in high school. It's really nice to see like a lovely coming out story that takes place in high school And I think it's really important. There really isn't anything that didn't work for me other than the fact that I just want to know more background on some of the characters. This episode really made me, like, want to know more about Paxton especially. Do you have any last
1: thoughts? Banter good, Hitler bad. (laughs)
0: And with that, I think we've come to the end of our show. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, you can subscribe online wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at N-H-I-E underscore podcast. Bye!
1: Bye. Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer and Lanier Salmons wrote our theme. Mind slut.
0: The shortest amount of time that I dated someone was one single lunch period. We decided, nah, friends is better.